Okay, so imagine this scenario. You go out for a night of carousing, and then you drink a little bit too much. So now, the following day, you have a horrible hangover. You possibly have liver damage, so it's just not a really great situation. Then you start hearing about how bacteria can possibly help you deal with your hangover. What what on earth is that about? Well, don't go anywhere, guys. We're going to cover it all next in Short Stories of Bacteria. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. I am Dr. K. Thank you so much for listening today. Um, Before we jump into today's topic, um, if you wouldn't mind taking a second to hit that follow button, I would really appreciate that. Um, But otherwise, on to the content. All right, guys, it's Tuesday, uh, and it turns out that you drank a little bit too much last night. So now your head is hurting You're wearing the lampshade or whatever it is that people are wearing these days. Um, And you heard from your biochem professor that drinking causes cancer and liver damage and all these other horrible things. Uh, So you're not exactly thriving right now. Um, Additionally, you probably should start thinking about your bacteria. They're hanging out in the gut. And I'm sure that in addition to you having to deal with the fallout of drinking alcohol, I'm sure they are quite surprised, to say the least, about the ungodly amount of alcoholic compounds that came flying in last night. On a Monday night, no less. Um, but then you hear that maybe bacteria can help you out with your hangover, maybe even keep you from dying of liver cancer before it's your time. So what is this all about? Uh, okay, so in order to answer this question, we first need to spend a little bit of time talking about alcohol and then how it is that we process alcohol that we consume. So how, how does this work? So the first thing we need to address is that there are there are different kinds of alcohols. Not all alcohols are the same, and we don't consume all alcohols the same way. Uh, actually, there's not a whole lot of types of alcohols that we consume. We primarily, well, I guess there are, but we don't consume all alcohols the same way. Now, all alcohols do have some things in common. So chemically speaking, all alcohols will have an oxygen and then a hydrogen atom stuck together. This is called a hydroxyl group for those of you guys who want to know. Um, And this hydroxyl group will then be clicked onto what's known as a saturated carbon. Um, Among other things, the amount of carbons present that are collectively clicked onto that hydroxyl group dictates what the alcohol's name is. So I'm going to say that again. So depending on the amount of carbons that are attached to this hydroxyl group determines what the name of the alcohol is. So one carbon attached to a hydroxyl group is called a methanol. Um, Two carbons, that's called ethanol. Three is propanol and so on and so forth. Now, only certain types of alcohols can can be what I'll call efficiently processed, uh, and those are the ones that we consume. So, for example, we can't really consume methanol. Well, I guess we can consume methanol, but we go blind. Um, we can and do oftentimes a lot consume ethanol. Ethanol is the form of alcohol that is present in all the alcoholic beverages that we know and love and enjoy. And we actually know an awful lot about it and then how it's processed in the body as well. So alcohol by itself can't just hang out in the body. Instead, what has to happen is it has to be processed into simpler, smaller components, and then those components can then be excreted out, okay? So to facilitate this breakdown of alcohol, and again, specifically for ethanol then, um, we have a series of enzymes that respond to the presence of alcohol. The first one, the one that grabs onto ethanol, um, is an enzyme called alcohol dehydrogenase, or ADH, that's what we're gonna call it. Um, ADH, that's what everyone calls it. So ADH grabs a hold of ethanol and then converts ethanol into a molecule called acetaldehyde. 
um, acetaldehyde then, that is grabbed by another enzyme called aldehyde dehydrogenase, called ALDH. ALDH then converts acetaldehyde into carbon, water, and acetate. And those are things that can be much more easily excreted by the body. Now, the problem with drinking alcohol is that in-between intermediate, acetaldehyde. Um, because acetaldehyde, it sounds an awful lot, maybe maybe you're like, oh, acetaldehyde, that sounds very familiar. Yes, acetaldehyde, it sounds a lot like formaldehyde. Um, and by itself, acetaldehyde can cause a whole bunch of problems. Number one, it's extraordinarily toxic. It is number two, it's a known cancer causing agent. And number three, actually, it's thought that this facilitates like the sleepiness, the uh, the impairment of ability, just the overall uncoordinated state of people who are drunk, right? If you just give acetaldehyde to mice, for example, then you're able to induce this weird kind of, not weird, but just you, you're able to induce a drunken state. So it's thought that acetaldehyde might facilitate the drunken um, condition of people when they've been drinking alcohol too much. Um, now, as I mentioned, acetaldehyde is extraordinarily toxic. It can cause cancer, or it is, a, is an agent that is known to cause cancer. Um, and since alcohol is primarily processed in the liver, this is why drinking too much can lead to liver cancer, since there's a continual presence of acetaldehyde, which will then induce mutation in liver cells and then have a whole bunch of other uh, damage as a result of that. Okay, so that's how you end up getting liver cancers, because there's this continuous amount of acetaldehyde from people who are chronically drinking. Now, one way that researchers have thought, okay, how do we deal with the toxic effects of something like acetaldehyde? One way that you could possibly deal with that is by figuring out a way to rapidly start processing the alcohol. For example, if you have a, a version of alcohol dehydrogenase, again, that's ADH, and that's the thing that converts, um, that converts ethanol into acetaldehyde. If you have something, a version of ADH that's really, really efficient and effective at starting alcohol processing, then in, then in theory, then you can minimize the time that the liver or gut or even the brain is exposed to the toxic effects of acetaldehyde. Okay? By, I'm going to say that again. By having a really effective version of alcohol dehydrogenase and kickstarting that, um, that alcohol processing, you can minimize the amount of time that acetaldehyde is present and therefore limit the amount of time um, that you're going to be exposed to these toxic effects. Okay? The problem, obviously is that there's that in different people there there are different forms of ADH right and those different forms of ADH have different levels of ability so that means that there should be some people who are really really good at processing alcohol really well and then getting rid of acetaldehyde quickly and there're going to be some people who have a really hard time processing it and so that means that they are more susceptible to things like alcohol poisoning uh, greater risk for disease as a result of alcohol so so how can we go about overcoming um, these differences and this this is where we start coming uh, in contact, not coming in contact. This is where we're able to start blending with the story in terms of bacteria. Um, there's a, so there's a group, a group of researchers, excuse me. There's a group of researchers at the Chinese Academy of Sciences Institute of Zoology, which is a mouthful. The Chinese Academy of Sciences, well, the Chinese Academy of Sciences Institute of Zoology, which I will call CASIS from now on. Um, so a group of researchers in Cassis came up with this idea of using a person's microbiome as a way of introducing a really effective version of ADH, right? And by introducing this effective version of ADH, possibly trying to increase the rate at which people are able to process alcohol. <clears throat> 
The problem, of course, is that people have different microbiomes, and not every single microbiome will have the same type of ADH or even any ADH on hand. So to overcome this, what the researchers did is they came up with this um, alcohol processing probiotic. So they got a bacteria called Lactococcus lactis, and this is a very common bacteria. It's used for a whole bunch of different things, primarily for its fermentative, um, fermentative capabilities, and this ranges from making cheese to making buttermilk to wine to all these different things. In this common bacteria, the researchers then modified this strain to mass produce a highly efficient form of ADH. And then once they confirmed that this ADH was being secreted by um, Lactococcus lactis, then they introduced it in probiotic form to the mice. Now, what happened after this was really, really crazy. <coughs> Excuse me. What happened to this was really crazy. Um, if you give a normal mouse a little bit of alcohol, then it gets drunk pretty rapidly, right? Then it has a really hard time performing simple tasks. It kind of wanders around, just it's, it's, it's drunk. In the group that received the probiotic, however, the mice not only were able to recover from the, al the effects of alcohol much more rapidly, right? So they were able to um, much more rapidly restore normal function. Some of them didn't even lose their ability to perform the basic tasks at all. So and additionally, the blood alcohol levels in the mice that took the probiotic went down more rapidly when compared to the normal mice. And if you looked at the livers of these mice, the livers of the ones that took the probiotic looked healthier than the ones that didn't take the probiotic. Okay, so all this together means that if you express a really strong version of this alcohol dehydrogenase in a common gut bacteria and then give it to the animals in probiotic form, <coughs> excuse me, not only... Not only are you able to decrease the effects of alcohol in terms of behavior, um, essentially decreasing the drunkenness, essentially protecting someone from being drunk, but it also can offer protective abilities for those who are particularly susceptible to alcohol poisoning, like in the liver. So the next question, obviously, the next question is, could you use this as a way to ward off drunkenness um, and liver or other tissue damage, for that matter, from alcohol in humans? Well, that's the, that's the logical next step. Um, that's what the researchers at the, what did I call it earlier, the Cassis. That's what the researchers at the Cassis are planning on doing next. Um, but it's really, really neat to think that it's possible that a simple probiotic um, could have such a strong effect in the way that we deal with alcohol and a way of minimizing the effects of alcohol on our bodies. So for those of you guys who made a mistake and did the alcohol on a Monday night, first of all, for shame, um, but maybe in the future, you'll be able to get around to that just by taking a simple probiotic. So there's hope for you yet, I suppose. Uh, anyway, that is all I have time for today. Hope you guys have a beautiful day, a beautiful week. I hope you guys all have a beautiful microbiome as well. Um, but I will see you guys next Tuesday. Until then, I'm Dr. K. See ya. See ya.